0: Like my favorite compliment, because I post the deck list and stuff on Twitter after the event. Is when I Mm. get people who were at the tournament or played with me, and they're like, uh, you were so fun to play with. And I'm like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's like so much better than uh you played really well or whatever. Because if I played really well, that's like a moment in time kind of deal. Whereas if I was fun to play with. That's like an aspect that's of the character. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, definitely. That's that's the goal. That's the aspiration.
2: Ah,
0: I'm almost at a bench.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 206 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Kassarappel, with me is Lee McLeod, fresh off of a paper Magic the Gathering top eight this weekend. Yes, hello, Chris. Hello, <laughs> congratulations on your This is my winner's topic. interview, I didn't
0: actually win, I got crushed in the top eight, but you know, I made it there.
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, we got to talk about it. There's not a lot of these tournaments, so you know this is about as prestigious as modern tournaments get right now, excluding, you know, the yeah, Magic while Game we're still stuff. allowed
0: to play them as the virus uh, ticks up.
1: Apparently, more new cases yesterday than the same date last yes, year. That is accurate. You know, I guess I'll see you guys in a year or two,
0: maybe. I mean, it's not all bad news. Uh, it it is nice that this variant seems to be less severe amongst like vaccinated populations and right it's mostly spread through unvaccinated people regardless i mean that still sucks and Mm -hmm. it's horrible but yes as long as people are vaccinated and being reasonable even if you catch it the cases are pretty non-severe from what i understand
1: yeah although i don't know what the effect of the vaccine is on preventing like long COVID. So I I don't know if you've heard, uh, you know, this is, and and this is something that's like super hard to get a bead on, like persistent Lyme disease, which like the medical establishment is like torn on whether or not it exists. This is also, but there have been studies about like long COVID with, which it just like has significant long-term resilient symptoms smell and taste loss and breathing problems and heart problems and rashes and other things that are like pretty gnarly you don't really want to get COVID, man
0: i do not i I, like i played at the paper tournament and every time my opponents would go for like a handshake out of i guess years and years and years of habit and i would always just decline and they'd be like Mm -hmm. oh yeah okay that's fine that makes sense (laughs) it's like no (laughs) no hard feelings or anything i get it but right
1: I, lit- I only offered the handshake out of like yeah but i'm recovery, also not so. touching your hand i'm sorry <laughs> yes <laughs> but then they got to shuffle your deck so
0: it's okay i i made some some hand wash rounds frequently
1: <laughs> i just buy antibacterial sleeves
0: oh really that's uh mm-hmm. i think you've cornered the market because i haven't seen
1: any <laughs> <laughs> you just spread some purell on them before you shuffle. it's <laughs> really gross but it's effective right probably not Uh, it can't possibly be
0: so you're just like not selling this to me anymore i was initially pretty on it but
1: now i'm off it yeah there's got to be some way to make them out of antibacterial plastic because like that's a thing they make like toddler toys out of it
0: i feel like sleeves are overpriced for magic anyway i can't imagine how you would (laughs) yeah raise the price even further
1: a niche product that requires like significant manufacturing so there's no way to make it like the price that it should be if you could just you know
0: bulk it and sell it to like distributors yeah. or whatever yeah
1: yeah yeah because you know like a lot of sleeves get made but not compared to like you know the amount of thumbtacks that get made or whatever so <sighs> wait we didn't talk about modern at all yet I mean, tell me about your deck wait, tell me we're... about your tournament we're
0: still on the manufacturing and viral part of this episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) listen we we've got a broad scope but let's narrow it down a little bit and talk about the only thing that unites our audience which is magic the gathering
0: yeah so i there was a 1k in greensboro north carolina we ended up bringing three cars very poorly planned because We did not fill all three cars. Ah, okay. But that just meant the people who lost could go home early, which is kind of nice. But we made the trip up. I played a Underworld Breach deck. And I know I've said a lot of bad things about them in the past. And none of that is really false still. (laughs) The the Breach decks in the past were always pretty clunky. uh, If you're just trying to do like Emory Grinding Station... Kind of slow. I remember playing Claw Talisman at one point to assemble a combo pretty fast. Nowadays, though, you just jam Raghavan, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Express Iteration, like all the busted it cards they printed. <laughs> and you're just kind of good to play a normal game. And sometimes you have Breach and a Grinding Station in your hand and you
1: just kill them. So that's nice. Do you actually, like, how many people did you actually kill by attacking with Dragon's Rage Channeler and Raghavan? More than you'd expect.
0: I the mm. first three rounds I did I I started off 3-0 and so I went all my rounds and I only comboed off once like oh, fully okay. and, and some of that is like half comboing right where I have some Dragon's Age Chandlers or, or Aragorn attacking and then I play Underworld Breach and just bolt my opponent twice and mm-hmm. that's like I mean I used Underworld Breach to kill them but I didn't just
1: <laughs> two snapcasters yeah I just
0: you know bolted them twice they were dead yeah, And it's really good there. Mostly I think you still do want a combo though because that's where you... That's why your deck is different than Is It Merc Died which is still really mm-hmm. strong. Uh, that build I played had absolutely no way to get a Merc Died off the table and you're just like resigned to racing it which is a not a good proposition. That's right. definitely a deck building flaw.
1: Because <laughs> your your combo package is quite small like necessarily because you want to be able to play kind of a normal game. But it makes when you're like, oh, there's a seven-seven. I got to kill you right now. It's not quite, you know. I mean, how many like grinding stations, Mox Amber's? D- did you did you play Underworld Breaches too? I guess you. Had... I had the full four clip
0: on breaches and stations because mm-hmm. breaches actually just a really good card, uh, sure. even for value
1: play. When your spells all cost one mana and fill up your graveyard. Yeah,
0: like if you have a Dragon's Race Channeler out or. Now, like heaven forbid two dragons race chandlers mm-hmm. you can just play a breach and kind of do whatever if you have a mishra's bubble in your graveyard which is likely uh you can like draw pretty much however many cards you want because <laughs> each time you cast the bubble you surveil twice so you just put two cards in your graveyard cast the bubble mm-hmm. again you get like you're basically using one card from your graveyard and two cards off the top of your deck every single time to just draw a bunch of cards it's Pretty that's, gnarly.
1: That's one Mishra's Bobble trigger that you won't forget once you get like six of those stacked You up. say, alright, it's your turn, and I'm going to put a Mishra's Bobble trigger onto the stack uh, six times. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, not bad. Mishra's Bobble, a pretty good card in Modern.
0: And I, I did trim on the combo a lot post-board, uh, but I noticed I was... I, I didn't put any practice into the stack before I played it. The first game I played in the tournament was round one. <laughs> so as of the deck so my sideboarding changed as the event progressed but i what i ended up liking doing was uh post board games when my opponent had a lot of interaction for the combo and my clock my creatures were just kind of good i would trim more on grinding stations and underworld breaches because breach is just a solid good card if they weren't trying to like rest and peace me out of the game
1: like, like, did you feel light on ways to kill them ever when you did that? Or was it just kind of okay? Uh, it was kind of okay.
0: Uh, the the drag through channeler is nuts. And yeah. when your opponent slows down their deck to interact with your combo and you've got, like, the nuts creatures stuff. Right. Uh, if you Even if you don't open on that and you just have Emery, it's still pretty good. Like, Emery's really good
1: still. Right. And when, when they draw Nature's Claim and then your threats are just all creatures, like, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. It, it's it's nice.
0: The tournament itself was, like, pretty fun, though. <laughs> One of the draws to this tournament, even though it was a little over an hour away, it was capped at 64 players. So that that's only six rounds. And we made sure to pre-register before we drove up there because we good could do plan. that. Good plan, good plan. Yeah. When we actually did get to the tournament, it turned out there were just 65 players for some reason. They upped the count. I, I'm not sure why,
1: which added an entire round to the tournament. Wait, so I wait. Who was it that said 60, 65 at FNM the night before? Because somebody said FNM, somebody said 65, and we all laughed because obviously that's ridiculous. That is exactly the number of people where you have to have seven rounds of Swiss.
0: Yep. And it, it just straight up happened. Someone had to buy a round one, and <laughs> there was a whole another round for the other 64 people.
1: I'm dying that's that's insane
0: but it it was funny too because they call for round one there's 65 people which we noticed very quickly because they they do that on the announcements thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are I'm at table 32 so I'm at the last table and I look for it and it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. Uh, it turns out there is no table 31 or 32 the tables only go up (laughs) to 30 (laughs) hmm <laughs> close enough yeah right so the four of us tables 31 and 32 just go up to the judge and the, the organizing staff and we're like okay um what do we do are we just gonna sit it's... on the floor and play on the floor like what what's the deal here oh by the way the store easy gaming it was actually kind of nice the chairs and tables were set up comfortably mm-hmm. which is it was a neat environment except for like that weird first round where Table 31 ended up playing on the counter where they sold singles. Like Uh. someone was behind the counter, someone was in front of it. And what they did for our table is they pulled out some stools and had some cardboard over top of it and made like a makeshift tiny Uh. little table. (laughs) And me and my opponent played on the tiny little table, kind of in the middle (laughs) of the store.
1: They had to do that for at least two rounds because... With When you have 65 people in seven rounds, certainly nobody's dropping at X in one.
0: Yeah, it, I'm sure they did it for a couple of rounds. But it was Ugh. very cute sitting at the little table. Uh, it felt very special.
1: Like the kid's table at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. It, it,
0: that's a good comparison because it's exactly what it looked like. Because People who are very tall would not have been able to sit at this table. Their just knees would not have allowed it.
1: Right but you just get stuck at like the wobbly card table that isn't really like it stays in a closet for 364 days out of the year. And it it was fun. Yeah. I mean, paper magic. It's an adventure. You don't have to deal with that stuff on digital. Like you don't get to deal with that stuff (laughs) in digital play. I got to
0: do all my favorite stuff, which is weird interactions, mostly with our world breach Uh, in the very first round at the kids table. I kind of set the stage. <laughs> I, I played against Enchantress, which, side note on Enchantress, I like that deck in concept, but in practice it's just it not horrible to play against, yeah. Uh, it, well, he, yeah, it's just a prison deck, right? Those are never going to be super fun to play against.
1: I mean, but it's prison in a specific way that, like, sucks.
0: A- and it's... Well, the problem is it's just not good. Or mm. for anyone who wants to play Enchantress out there, which I, I sympathize with because I... I have solitary Confinements, and Enchantress's Presence right over there. <laughs> uh, the problem is everyone's sideboard and mainboard just has so many ways to deal with enchantments. Like, between, like, yeah. engineered explosives, wear, tear, force of vigor, like, all these kind of haymakers against your deck. You just right. can't really do your thing.
1: Because like, we're already set up to kill Urza Sagas and Colossus Hammers, and while there are some ancient grudges, most of the disenchants are two option disenchants so yeah that doesn't sound very appealing
0: and if you just use your enchantment destruction on their card draw spells or card draw enchantments mm-hmm. they're all enchantments sithis is an enchantment which is the argothian enchantress that they gave us in modern horizons too but it's yep, an enchantment creature. An yeah it does not have shroud <laughs> right so sithis you can kill enchantress's presence you can kill and those if you kill those two cards on site like they can do some stuff for a little while, but their deck just falls apart and fizzles really easily if they can't draw cards after everything they play. Right, right. So that's an aside on enchantress. <laughs> I did win that
1: <laughs> match, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Just solitary confinement doesn't stop Thassa's Oracle from killing you. So
0: <laughs> I I didn't combo this person. I just killed him with damage. Oh wow. Okay. I, I might have comboed him with. I think it, he I comboed him with the bolts or whatever. Uh, like I just had the post war plan of all right, I'm going to kill your enchantments and then I'm Attacky with Raghavan so the game's wrapping mm-hmm. up from there pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean one one cool thing about your build is like you can just be a Rogavan DRC deck that post board can just like play this really tempo y and also like controlling game plan where you just have a lot of engineered explosives and Emrys too. Yeah,
0: Rogavan Emery is such a good combo uh, mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, two or three, I don't remember. I don't remember how many post board games I played against this enchantress uh, player. Uh, but at one point, I have a grinding station in play and an engineer of explosives and an emery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the EE is on three because I need to kill Enchantress's presence in solitary confinement. But I also want to play <laughs> engineer of explosives on two so that I can kill greater oromancy and Sithus, right? <laughs> greater oromancy, a $70 card. Yep. The very one. I think for a long time and then tell my opponent, okay, I've got to play but it's complicated. So here's what it is. (laughs) I'm going to cast this Emory from my hand for a blue mana, because I've got two artifacts in play. I'm going to respond to Emory by cracking my engineered explosives on three. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respond to the engineered explosives, because it's now in the graveyard, by tapping my Emory to target the engineered explosives that I Uh just sacrificed. Sure. So I can cast it until the turn. Hmm. So uh, I can cast that EE. All the three drops die, and then my new Emry comes into play,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I have just enough mana to cast the EE for two. That you just put <laughs> into I, your graveyard. That I just put in the graveyard. Yeah, with yep. an Emry in play, it was very cute. It was Chef's Kiss, nice,
1: <laughs>
0: and it it didn't really matter that game. Like I, I really didn't need to be that fancy, but it was certainly effective. Right. <laughs>
1: But it, everything was, like, you had exactly enough mana to do it. You only had two artifacts, so you had to put the emery on the stack before you cracked the EES. Yes, very, very clean, very nice. That's round one, baby. <laughs> Setting the tone. Yeah.
0: I did some other neat stuff. Uh, one of the neat things with Underworld Breach is you can shrink your own Dragon's Rage Chandler. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I needed to block a type Regent to try and assemble, a, like, a combo in my next turn to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a Dragon Rage that would just suicide attack into it. So I cast Underworld Breach, then cast some baubles from my graveyard to mm-hmm. sh- to get rid of Delirium. Yeah. Uh, so it went down to like three cards in Graveyard. Past turn to draw a bunch of cards on their upkeep. And my opponent actually tried to attack me with th- attack themselves with the Dragon Rage Chandler. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I do not have Delirium. That's a
1: 1-1 now. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then I put my Underworld breach trigger on the stack to sacrifice it, giving mm-hmm. my Dragon's Age Chandler an enchantment in the graveyard. So that I that delirium, <laughs> <laughs> and then they bolted my Dragon's Reach Chandler and killed me. But you know,
1: well, but you you, <laughs> you know, you did what you could. Yeah, the Merktide deck is very good. It's very powerful.
0: It's it's really good. The best deck I played in the entire tournament was in the top eight. Uh, my I said I got crushed earlier. That's not technically true. Uh, in game one, I kept a one lander with like two bobbles and an opt on the draw, and I did not draw a second land. Uh, so that that's kind of rough. That is rough. And, and the second game was really good, where I had a really long combo turn. But because of the way my graveyard count and my opponent's mana worked out, uh, they had enough mana for a bolt, and I milled over my Fossa's Oracle. And I didn't have mm-hmm. enough blue mana, thanks to my opponent's Blood Moon. So I couldn't cast the Mox Amber, then cast the Emery. Mm. Tap the Mox Amber for blue mana. Because if it dies, I can just recast the Emery with it. Bolts it. Mm-hmm. Because the, one of the cards in my graveyard was a Thassus Oracle. And I only had eight cards in my graveyard. Uh, so I couldn't sure. exile the Emery and the Mox Amber and play them both without exiling the Thassus Oracle. Gotcha. So that was really yeah, rough. That's tough. It was fun, though. I, I really, really enjoyed playing it. It's I <laughs> I kept talking about all the value Underworld Breach stuff I was doing in the tournament, because that's one of the strengths of Underworld Breach, is if you don't have a grinding station or you're in a post game, you can just accrue a ton of value with it with Mishra's mm-hmm. Bobble and Dragon's Race Chandler. It's kind of absurd, actually. And Alan, who also top 8 at this event, playing Prowess, I uh, kept saying, "Man, I wish I was playing Underworld Breach if i had instead of Snapcaster Mage, it would have been so good."
1: It's legit. I'm like fine with that yeah. idea
0: because Snapcaster was in his sideboard along with uh, some garbage cards that he should not have played in his sideboard, and Underworld Breach would have been better in <laughs> kind of all those slots.
1: <laughs> to be fair, the Prowess sideboard—it's like Blood Moons, Cozlext Returns, a counter spell of your choice. And then like the rest, like what else, what else do you even play? <laughs>
0: eh, value it's something to go along with. I've seen Bedlam yeah, Revelers. One, one I've seen Bedlam Revelers. reveler, i like, random yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: But you're not good at that stuff, really. Like a Bedlam Reveler is okay, but you're not great at that. Although Dragon's Way Channeler does make that better. Like Ox kind of sucks because you don't have Faithless Looting or, you know, or Seasoned Pyromancer or anything like that. It's it's a little tough. There's not a great value card for the the prowess deck the way that it exists right now. That's why I'm all about the
0: underworld breach sideboard and prowess.
1: Yeah, if that works, o- I, honestly, I feel like just, your opponents just will dragons never rage... see it coming. Yeah. De- definitely not. I am not sure if just dragons rage channeler is like enough fuel, for, you know, because you're not playing like thought scour or anything in the deck. You don't. You obviously don't have grinding stations. Uh, so I don't know it, how, like, consistent that is, but it's it's definitely an idea. So like, one of the
0: neat things is Manamorphos actually, and Mistress Bubble, inflates your graveyard and mm-hmm. are insane with Underworld Breach. With
1: the Breach, yeah, true.
0: So anytime you have a Dragon's Rage Channeler and draw or a Breach, either of those cards kind of lets you go off, as it were.
1: And you can also have a Dragon's Rage Channeler in your graveyard because you mm-hmm. can escape it with Underworld Breach, so
0: it's only it's not good good be good all the time obviously but for those games where right. you have to go long and you want a value card underworld Breach seems like a card at least worth trying
1: dude I mean if anything yeah I dang I kind of wish I were playing fm this week because i I would like I just have prowess together right behind me and I wasn't considering playing it at all but perhaps with the underworld breach sideboard plan I would you know i'd I'd like to try that at least that sounds pretty neat. Like, it might patch up some serious problem. Like, the problem with Prowess is that everybody has so many great removal spells right now, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a potential answer to that problem.
0: Yeah, because you can't play Lurus. You're not a... Well, you're a blue-red deck first, and then you have Storm to see, which is kind of nuts,
1: so... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that sounds sweet to me. Like, that's a thing that I legitimately think could be really great and, and fix problems with the deck. That, that sounds really good.
0: Yeah, It's not something that We just like started memeing about it Mm because I was playing Underworld Breach and like bolting people out. And Alan (laughs) was playing Snapcaster Mage and like not Not happy with it. (laughs) And I was just like, man, you should play Underworld Breach. And he kept thinking about it every time he drew Snapcaster Mage and being like, man, this card's just kind of insane. Every time I draw it and it's not Underworld Breach, I'm disappointed.
1: (laughs) There's kind of only one card in prowess that you want to flash back with Snapcaster Mage and that is Lightning Bolt. Like, you don't really want to target anything else. So, Underworld Breach lets you flashback your creatures, and that seems better. Sometimes
0: Expressive Iteration is really good for Snapcast Rage, but you have to have oh, sure. a lot of mana for that uh, deep in the game. And you want
1: to... Yeah, and you're, like, actively cracking your fiery islets and stuff in grindy matchups, so... Well, and it,
0: Expressive Iteration is a setup card, mostly. Like, mm-hmm. it, it lets you do really cool things. It lets you do one thing this turn and one thing next turn. Yeah. And Prowse really wants to do as much as it can with each turn.
1: Right. Usually the turn after an expressive iteration, you either kill them or you fail to kill them and then you lose the game after that. A cast but... another iteration, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Other than that, I don't know. I didn't play against anything super duper cool. Uh most of my opponents were really friendly. Uh, only one person I played against was like kind of grumpy. But honestly, I was a little grumpy that match, too, because I was very <laughs> tired. <laughs> so I don't blame them.
1: <laughs> I mean, but even that is, like, a thing that you miss a little bit. You don't get any form of human interaction via playing online. You don't even get the grumpy gusses. So sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Oh, yeah.
0: We're just not going to talk or I'm going to be very terse with you. And it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, we'll get past this together.
1: <laughs> it, it actually really isn't very fun. I, that like i don't really miss that particular experience very much <laughs> i don't i don't super mind it,
0: it as long as they're not like rude sure because some people just like aren't having a great day or whatever and i, I get it right uh it's just <laughs> what really bothers me in that specific match is that my point was playing so slow that i was getting frustrated because that's like that's a thing the thing i only date.
1: thing that that tilts you yeah
0: and it, it, it came to a point where like my opponent was playing Force Negation in their deck, so I would cast a spell, way to beat. They wouldn't even flinch or do anything. Then I'd play another yeah. spell, I'd be like, wait, wait, hold on, stop!
1: And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. I'll tell you when it's the spell you want to force. <laughs> can... I'm
0: like, this is a Mishra's bubble, dude. Are we, are we good?
1: Okay, I forced a Mishra's bubble though. But that's usually versus a Lurus deck.
0: Sure. I wasn't playing Lurus. Yeah. In fact, most of my it opponents, I had a really unlucky streak in this tournament, now that I'm thinking about it, where all, all of my game ones against it opponents, I played a one drop, that just like didn't draw, didn't draw another land. Because uh, mm-hmm. I played against it three times in the tournament, and that happened in game one and two of them.
2: Mm.
0: And my opponents just thought it was the mirror both times. Which was right. kind of neat, because they didn't know I could just combo kill them out of nowhere. sure. So they didn't board in,
1: like, chalices or whatever. But it's not, like... Because if, if your board plan involves shaving down on the combo once they know that you have the combo, then you get... you Like, you kind of get them to misboard, regardless of what they know.
0: Yeah, but it's it's neater when they board wrong for the mirror, expecting, like, your primary yeah. plan to be, like, Burk Tide and the Creatures, and they board in, like, Seal or Removal or whatever. Yeah, like, like
1: actual dead guards, yeah. yeah. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you want to unsummon my Raghavan? It, I'll, I'll dash it. It got it's to the fine. point where,
0: um, I was playing game one, couldn't draw a second lane, it was like turn five or certain, turn six, and I was dying to a Dragon's Age Chaler. My opponent was had a Raghavan in hand that I knew about from Dash, uh, and they Mishra's Bobbled me. and I'm I I let the Mishra's Bobble resolve, and I'm thinking because they, they targeted me whether I, not, I should just concede so they don't see the top card of my library <laughs> and so i just like sit there and i'm thinking about whether to concede and my opponent's just like what's going on
1: what are you doing uh, and, and
0: reaches for my deck to like look at the top card and i go, stop i'm thinking <laughs> and and he's looking at me like I'm, I'm completely tapped out i've got one land in hand or one land in play right what could you possibly do And I'm just like thinking about whether to concede or not. I end up not conceding because I have like an EE that could maybe Mm -hmm. do some work if I have a second land. So so he looks at the top card. I draw it. It's a lightning bolt or something that doesn't affect... Or it's an opt, actually. Yeah. And I just concede there because opt's
1: not going to help me. (laughs) Well, any other modern shenanigans that you want to talk about? Any thoughts on the deck? What you would change going forward? Do you think it's like you know a real thing or a thing to catch people by surprise with or what i actually think it's pretty good like the
0: the deck i played which i posted on my twitter and in our discord uh, it's Mm -hmm. pretty straightforward Uh, but that build in particular needs something to answer mark died region you just shouldn't put yourself in the position to just have your opponent play an 8-8 and then try to kill them the next turn or you lose (laughs) because that doesn't really work against a two mana card (laughs) Right. It's not a good spot. Like maybe a seal of removal, maybe something to bounce the Merktide region. There's a Teferi, a couple of Teferis in my sideboard, but you don't actually often want that card in the matchup, or at least I think you did,
1: because it's, pretty expensive, it's very yeah. slow and clunky. I mean, you may have to have it just for the Merktide region, but maybe, certainly, there are better options. Although, you know, there's basically no way to actually kill a Merktide region out of those. colors you don't want to bring in like you don't have you don't want to have path in your sideboard so maybe
0: you would just want like aether spell bomb in your sideboard so you can bounce it and then maybe stick an emery to replay it or something Mm. Uh, which is a pipe dream because they have so many removal spells they they kill your emery's on site yeah but they've also got to kill all the other creatures in your deck and they're all very good so something will stick and if emery happens to be the last card you've got aether spell bomb it's certainly going to be better
1: than like a seal of removal Right, they definitely do prioritize the Emrys though, yeah. because you know some amount of channelers and Ragavans like blank each other or trade on both sides of the table. So,
0: I, I yeah, I, I like this deck. I would definitely play it again. Make some changes to the sideboard. I played an Urza Saga that could be kind of literally anything. I just wanted. Yeah, I really, I, I laughed out loud at the
1: one Urza Saga in
0: the list. <laughs> it, it's just like I didn't want to play a sleight of hand, because that's what mm-hmm. uh, what the decklist had. And I wasn't really into that, and so I just wanted to. There's only 18 lands, and I wasn't sure. I, I, like I said, I didn't play a game of this deck before the tournament. I wasn't sure yeah. if that were enough, so I just threw in another land that was also a spell, like call, kind of called it a day. And I was just like I didn't really do anything in the tournament. It won me one game by kind of by itself, which was nice, uh, but that, that's kind of all it did. <laughs>
1: but, eh, that's a pretty good job for a one of in the deck to win a game.
0: It was a really specific instance that I think would almost never come up, where okay. my opponent like kind of flooded. I had a lot of cards from Embry before they were able to kill it, and just didn't draw anything either. Mm-hmm. It, and like these things aren't realistic enough to come up very right. often.
1: And I mean, is it even a game that you wouldn't have won without it, or would you have gotten there eventually? Probably.
0: So, it, because it was a croxa matchup. My constructs uh, actually ended up being larger, or <laughs> as large enough to hold off Kroxa. So gotcha. constructs themselves mattered a lot,
1: right? And Kroxa definitely would be a problem. Like that—that that puts a timer on you if you don't do anything about it. Cool. Well, good job top aiding. I'm glad that you had a fun tournament. Uh, do you want to transition over and talk about some jumpstart historic? horizons why did you sound so hesitant on that that title no i didn't i got it it makes it's a set name that makes perfect sense and they couldn't possibly have named it any simpler
0: all right yeah um what do do you want to talk about the new digital cards you want to talk about the random reprints that are impossible to find like what's
1: yeah we could just spend the whole time complaining about why is there no like repository of spoiled cards anywhere
0: So for for anyone who doesn't know how the spoiler season works or like cards are collected, there's 31 brand new uh, online only cards, right? And then there's a whole host of reprints from Modern Horizons 2, Modern Horizons, and all other sets forever. You can find the, the newer cards, like the online only releases, kind of easily like scryfall's got a page wizards itself has a page for the gallery uh but if you want to know what reprints there are your best bet is just kind of checking random stuff the only thing wizards has to find what cards are in the set other than the online only ones is a list of what the historic horizons jumpstart packets
1: are uh, which, and it's not, like, visually yeah. parsable to, like, oh, yeah, that card is here. That's, you know... Yeah, it, it doesn't
0: like... say, like, this is the new card to historic. It's it's not, like, here's a Eula and six season pyromancers or, and pyromancer or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. a list of cards in the packets in a decklist form, and it doesn't call yeah. to attention to what's new and what's returning and being reprinted and whatever. And mm-hmm. the page is huge. There's so many packets of jumpstart in this thing. My scroll bar is so tiny, and there's just no feasible way to know what's in the set other than the online-only cards. And the cards you see, like, pop up on Twitter.
1: Yeah, like, I've got Skyfall up, but it is not updated with everything. And so I've just also got, like, the Magic subreddit up, where I'm just, like, looking at kind of what got the most attention. So hopefully that's a good guide. But... Eh, we can talk about a fair number of these cards. I think there's, like, a lot of really interesting stuff. Basically impossible to put into context because Historic is just going to be an entirely new format once these cards come in.
0: Yes. Do you want to tackle the easier cards to find, the new online-only cards? Sure.
1: I want to start with this Goblin. Uh, The Italian one? Yes. Okay. So this is... I don't know what the actual name is. Translates to something like Reckless Ringleader, but it is a red mana for a 1-1 haste. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature card in your hand. It perpetually gains haste. I uh, This card seems completely, like, potentially just completely busted to me.
0: Yeah. So this reminds me of, I don't, I don't know why this comparison in particular sticks out in my mind, but there's just a, a random pig in Artstone that's just a 1-1 for a one with haste. Mm -hmm. and in that game that card's like
1: busted yeah because charge is completely nuts in in hearthstone and you just use that for many combos and this
0: seems like it's but like we've seen what's that effect called raging goblin forever on a bunch of different cards and it's horrible raging goblin's never been a good card right because just a one one for red with haste is horrible But this card also just gives a random creature in your hand. Or not a random creature, because that's the thing that can actually happen. It gives a creature of your choice in your hand the best creature keyword in the
1: game. Yes. Especially when you've built your deck around the fact that you might just give one of your creatures haste. Like, I I don't know how this deck could be constructed. It might not be a thing that you can actually put together. But, like, imagine giving a Dreadhorde Arcanist persistent or perpetual haste, like that means when you cast it, you immediately get a spell out of it. They kill it when you claim it, you immediately get a spell out of it without having to cast fame. Like that—that it, it, that seems nuts to me. You can double,
0: you can double claim. Can you claim with Dreadhorde Arcanist or is that a Man cost three? I think it's three, right? Yeah, I think you're right. But it's still super impactful, just be able to claim an Arcanist
1: attack to cast a one drop, or you know. Like give a croak's a haste. When that comes in, it just kill it just murders your opponent. Yeah, wow. That's that's really scary actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot
0: of cards you can just give haste that fundamentally changes how the card works. Because that's kind of what haste right. does. Uh we always talk about decks or cards being like a turn too slow, and that just invalidates them. Uh, this card makes cards a turn faster.
1: Yeah. Especially stuff with like attack triggers. A, a non-haste creature with an attack trigger is like really unlikely to be constructed playable, which means that you don't really want to be doing that with this goblin. But there are creatures that are like completely passed over that if you gave them haste would be very very busted. Uh, like uh, if, Immerstrom Predator comes to mind. Like like even something you know. as innocuous as Bainsler Angel. Like For sure, you give that card haste, it's
0: different card is maybe not a great example because it's so good on defense too well elder gargaroth with haste yeah elder Gargaroth. that's a good one too um
1: yeah so this is you know it's a common it like looks a little bit unsuspecting but like this has a ton of potential this card is like might be really gross Mm -hmm. uh we got a couple of cards for goblins or what okay so that was a card for goblins uh there's also hordeling outburst which is really more of a tokens card than a a goblins card but it's nice to have that option the three mana three tokens thing if you want to do a a real tokens deck that could be a key element but it's not super high powered compared to what is getting put into jumps getting put into historic i
0: believe intangible virtue is legal and historic so the hordeling outburst it it is legal and historic i just checked (laughs) Yeah. So even though, like, it's no, what is the white, white, white? Oh, it's no Spectral Procession. Yeah, it's no Spectral Procession or mm-hmm. Lingering Souls. But it, it, if you're in the token market and you can make that work, yeah, it's one of the more
1: efficient token producers. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, a lot of good stuff in Red White at this point between, like, Legion's Landing and Heroic Reinforcements. Like, it's just that the token producers are kind of medium, and this one is... Uh, pretty efficient quite good Mm -hmm. but other tribal ish stuff we got multiple things for elves elves has been a fringy historic deck anyways that like has super polarized matchups like it beats the crap out of a lot of on board with creatures decks but is terrible against anger of the gods (laughs) and like can never beat that card uh but some of these cards might help with that problem specifically, which is kind of cool. So we've got Sky Skyshroud Partisan. This is a Planeswalker for one and two green. Starts with four loyalty. Plus one, choose up to one target elf, untap it. It and a random elf creature card in your hand each perpetually get plus one, plus one. Minus one is seek an elf card. So that's just-
0: You get a random random elf from
1: your deck. And it's minus six is conjure a regal force card onto the battlefield. Regal force draws you a card for each creature that you control. I, I don't care super much about the ultimate, but if you get there, that's obviously a thing that the elf deck, that the elves will win the game after that. But as a, like, holy crap, what a turn two off of a elves. Yeah, it, it also sounds
0: really quick, too. Uh, three mana mm-hmm. planeswalker that starts for loyalty and goes up to five immediately. Yeah. you only have like two turns to react to it before Regal Force enters the battlefield
1: sure well and yeah and if you play this turn two off of a Llanowar Elves you get to untap your Llanowar Elves and put another one mana Elf into play and maybe that and creature
0: gotten plus one plus one as well
1: maybe the giving your Elves plus one plus one like almost doesn't matter because Elves is very much a, like a Crater of, like I could overwhelm you with numbers like yeah. Crater of Behemoth kind of thing we're not Nickeling and
0: diming like Goblins does
1: right right but being able to make mana with the plus reach for a scary ultimate by doing that or just minus one to get a full card and you know the more elves you have the better your elves are and this thing also just costs three mana if
0: you want this card is worth fully four elves if you just want it down every single down every
1: turn (laughs) and there is also a new uh elvish visionary kind of thing Skyshroud, Lookout, one and a green for a 1-1 one, one reach. When enters the battlefield, seek an elf card. Elvish Visionary is actually like pretty good in the elves deck because you really needed that sort of like velocity there. And this might just be a better version of it. Uh, Like being able to get a land is good, but a lot of times uh, it's just like, give me all the elves that you possibly can give me.
0: Uh, yeah, this card's great. Cause you just want like a, a body and a thing. It's very much the original Rogue Refiner kind of deal, where it gives you a resource and a, a body. the The body is not good as Rogue Refiner; it's the one one. But Elves just mm-hmm. uses the one one body to, right. like, traditionally make, produce mana with heroic make mana, it, right, or just pump it with Imperius Perfect and Historic. Yep. Or even Freyleys.
1: Yep. So the between these two, I I think Elves did get a real boost. I don't know if it's enough, but they are specifically patching up problems that the elf deck had which is good cards that are vulnerable to the same stuff is not particularly helpful good cards that are good against anger of the gods and wrath of god like that's what it needed
0: i also really like fraley's design <laughs> it's it's a card i'm pretty a big fan of
1: yeah any anything in particular or just like it's, satisfying? it's just it's just
0: clean it just works it i don't know it seems, it feels like really really close to a card that could just be a paper
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could just put a plus one plus one counter on the elf and each of the abilities is definitely technically an online only thing, but they all could be done in paper with a little bit of rewording. Yeah,
0: it it certainly reads a lot cleaner on Arena and I I get why they did it. It's just, I don't know, I think it's just a clean card, a neat card. Does a bunch of stuff.
1: Let's see what else we got. Blade Splicer is in the set. I know we're mostly going over the new cards, but... Blade Spicer is sick. I love Blade Spicer.
0: I So the weird thing about Blade Spicer is that everyone loves Blade Spicer.
1: Yep. Even if you just, true.
0: even if you just don't like playing white attacking decks, you still love Blade Spicer because it's just good in vintage
1: cube or whatever.
0: In yep. Specific decks.
1: It just does so much. It gives you an artifact. It's like it has like neat play where it's not just like a throwaway creature and a, a creature that counts to give you two bodies. It's like one is giving the other one first strike. So you have interesting decisions there. You can blink it. It's really it. blinkable, yeah. which people love. It, it is a little bit bigger than it maybe should be for its cost. If you're being like really strict about like how efficient stuff can be. And so that feels nice that you're getting four, four worth of stats for three mana. Like yeah, everybody loves Blade Splicer. It's also a Phyrexian now, which I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. That's true. Dies to uh, Plague Engineer on Phyrexian. And it shrinks
0: the Golem, because the it makes Phyrexian Golem now, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Brutal.
1: Yeah. Just pumping Plague Engineer. Just too much. Yep. Fortunately... Well, I don't think they're going to give us Plague Engineer in Historic. I hope not.
0: Do... So there's a card in the set Tayo. There's, like, a new Taeyo. A character i yes. hate but what is
1: lumbering light shield what does that card exist no it's a it's a new card it's got a perpetual thing on it it's like one in a white for a oh and one, one for i found it and when it when it enters the battlefield it makes a random card in their hand cost one more or something like that yeah and it re- and they reveal it which is neat mm-hmm. so it gives you the information sure teo is two white white for a four loyalty planeswalker plus one Up to one target creature's base power perpetually becomes equal to its toughness. It perpetually gains. This creature can attack as though it didn't have defender. Minus two, conjure a lumbering light shield card onto the battlefield. So I guess the joke is you minus it and then you plus on your light shield to make it a 4-4. Minus six is you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step return target white creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its toughness. I am doubtful that this is successful in historic. Oh yeah,
0: this uh, this card's not good, but it certainly leans into the online only thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, it does. But I don't really care about this card. It like costs four mana, dies to a lot, doesn't like it has to minus two to make a, a wall for you. It doesn't
0: appreciably improve any kind of deck people are
1: gonna play in historic. Certainly nothing that like I'm excited to to put together yeah like imagine casting this card when your opponent started with dragon's rage channeler i don't want to do that i, I would don't rather not imagine that
0: yeah. i i'm on the wrong side of history on that imagination <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mm.
1: Leon and sanctify are not as exciting as the goblin two mana two one lifelink when enters the battlefield choose a creature card in your hand it perpetually gains lifelink not not really my thing i i still
0: think that card's good it, it's nowhere near as strong as the goblin don't get me wrong right but there's a there's so many Johnny's Pride mates and historic <laughs> uh and this card's actually like pretty good in that kind of deck because it's just a lifelinking body that randomly gets your largest thing lifelink there's a lot to do sure. with gaining a bunch of life like those kind of strategies
1: there's probably some weird combo with it where, like, some creature that has lifelink, like, triggers itself then. and Midnight
0: uh, Reaper? Is that the card I'm thinking of? The, whenever a creature dies, it deals one damage to you, and you draw a card. Yeah,
1: but that just means that you don't get dealt the damage by it. That doesn't seem that good.
0: <laughs> so you have to give it double lifelink?
1: No, there's just, like, gotta be some combo. Some creature that, like, makes them loot, like, deal... You know, if there's some creature that deals them damage whenever you gain life or something like that, then giving it life link becomes incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. This card's like fine, but it's it's no uh, reckless whatever goblin.
1: No, it's it's not. That card is, whew, baby.
0: It does imply that there is going to be a cycle of these, though, like the blue one given flying or whatever. Sure.
1: Blue one just giving hexproof. Please, now. <laughs> we did it. We made the least fun magic card of all time. <laughs> no, no. Uh, long Tusk Stalker. One green mana for a 1-1 one, one cat. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy. Pay two energy. It perpetually gets plus one plus O. Oh. You may choose a creature card in your hand. That card get perpetually gets plus one plus O. Oh. I'm really glad they didn't put the t- like a toughness boost onto there. Because that would be really obnoxious if it's pumping like, Long Tusk Cubs in your hand to get them completely out of range and like without you having to store energy for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is trying to prop up an energy deck, I guess. But it's not that great in it. And also, the energy cards suck. And also, I think it's going to be the only energy card in the entire set. So, like, what are we doing yeah, here? Yeah,
1: probably not good enough. I mean, like, the thing that energy does need is more better energy one drops like to go along with a tune with either like you need more turn ones that are like okay yeah i'm getting the ball rolling and so this is like the right idea but ultimately doesn't do it for me there's a chance that you can put together some electrostatic pummeler stuff but not a great chance Uh but if energy is good it's probably doing electrostatic pummeler and not Energy, or sure, so kind of deal right yeah you're just going to lose to more efficient and cheaper
0: cards and there's so many powerful cards in historic now with the mystical archives especially and Dragon's mm-hmm. Chandler kind of reprints
1: right like if i'm doing energy stuff i would want to be aiming for something very powerful like that doesn't require me to play a bunch of like mid rangey, medium three and four mana cards yeah
0: uh, still like the energy cards are not very good at attacking at least mm-hmm. you never really want to spend your mana your excuse me, your energy on log tusk stalker itself
1: right uh, and it just attacking is like a one one or two one <laughs> not super appealing but in your pumbler deck you have some number of pump spells in there that make it like but yeah i'm not not, not super about it let's see what else season pyromancer is coming in that's nice that's a sick one
0: it's just a really good card. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's a very um, fair good card. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel bad to play with or against.
1: No, n- nobody's ever gotten mad about season pyromancer. It's won a lot of games, mm-hmm. but nobody's ever been mad about it. I mean, if you ever were mad about it, you're wrong. <laughs> it's a bold call. I think you're right, but <laughs> it is pretty. You know, in like, the fact that this three-mana value e creature with a, like, weird flashback ability, like, sees a lot of play in Modern is just, like, an indication of how powerful of a value card it is, and it's going to do a lot in Historic. Like, it's just going to show up in a ton of places.
0: I think it gets overshadowed a lot in Modern by uh, Lurus, mm-hmm. because you can't play them in the same deck, and Lurus is a better card. Right. But... I would. I imagine in a world where you couldn't companion Alluris, uh, this card would see a significantly more play in the red midrange deck.
1: Sure. Yeah, something like, you know, the red-green deck, the Ponza slash red-green midrange deck in Modern. Like, that deck literally, like, it's not a very good deck, but it absolutely could not exist without playing a out of these cards in it. Yeah. And that is just enough glue to get people to play the deck.
0: Yeah, just enough of a treat. And it might do the same <laughs> thing in Historic. But it's got the extra graveyard benefit of being in a format with faithless looting kind of deal. Yep. Yep. Uh, this is yep. another card you can just throw in your graveyard for value later on if you want to do that.
1: Right. Right. And it also provides discard redundancy mm-hmm. where like you want to discard your phoenixes or whatever to faithless looting. But now you have a backup, like, we can do this a little slower, but I can get these cards out of my hand thing. Also, if I have to discard a Pyromancer and get value, like, that's also fine. Mm-hmm. Or if I have gone low on cards because Faithless Looting does put you down a card in hand, then maybe I just cast this and draw two cards or something. Like, this, this card rules. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Hardened Scales is in the format. Walking Blista excluded from Kaladesh Remastered. Just a complete and total bummer of a situation.
0: Well, you see, CCR, uh, if you put Walking Ballista and Kaladesh Remastered, it would be a combo with Heliod. And uh, that's uh, that's too much. It's too bad that it's impossible to suspend Heliod. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I never thought the Heliod combo was all that egregious, especially in a format we're printing brainstorms and such into. But,
1: you know, whatever. And... Like unholy heat and stuff. Like is unholy heat in the set? Unholy heat is in the set. Oh, with dragon's rage channeler. Neat. Okay. So that's that's actually, honestly, probably the to me it's probably the most egregious thing that I've seen, because like unholy heat has become probably the best removal spell in modern, where it just kills everything. Maybe delirium is a little harder to get in historic, but if Dragon's Rage Channeler is a good card in Historic, then Unholy Heat is gonna be a good card. And killing anything creature or planeswalker for one mana, which is effectively what Unholy Heat does when it works, is a it's kind of oppressive. It's very Swords to Plowshares esque.
0: Yeah. I I think it's like a turn slower to get delirium in historic mm-hmm. uh, than modern. But- but, but a lot of still... things are shockable in
1: in history yeah, too. That, so... that's a,
0: that's another thing. Like can, a shock doesn't actually do that much in modern because you you already playing lightning bolt which covers anything the shock can.
1: Right. But well, they are yeah. What a what a pair. Lightning bolt to kill anything on the early turns and then on a holy heat to kill any primeval titans or to fairy hero of dominarias that show up.
0: Yeah, you get them you get them coming in, going. Omnath uh locus of
1: creation. Get out of here. Just can't take the heat get out of the kitchen
0: not enough red mana for me
1: (laughs) yeah that like a bunch of good cards spoiled but unholy heat is the one that is kind of the scariest to me as one that can make a format potentially unfun to play because it soft bans a lot of stuff if it's heavily played
0: i think faithless looting is a lot of work uh, and the Mm -hmm. format in general and especially with brainstorm band and just the natural pairing of Faithful Swinging Dragon's Rage Channeler is
1: oh boy, oof, it's a little scary. Yep. Yeah, you just got to find like one thing to do with that, whether it's phoenixes or you, could, you know, can you can still play Luris, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, totally. You could just play black red Dragon's Rage Channeler, Luris, Croxa, like Haste
0: Goblin. <laughs> yeah, like the the. Historic banned slash suspended list escapes me on details a lot of the time, so I couldn't remember exactly where in the history of Luris's
1: bannings and, and errata it, it fell. <laughs> yes, you can still play Loris and Historic, absolutely. Um, but like I'm certainly gonna be playing Dragon's Rage Channel or Unholy Heat, Faithless Zooting with Arclight Phoenix, and it's still gonna be really good.
0: Yep. Which kinda makes you wonder why you can't play hardened scales and walking bluster, but whatever.
1: What whatever. We even got kind of a backup Phoenix in Mana Gorger Phoenix. Uh, red red for a 2-2 two, two flying. Can't block, which is a, a, probably a good decision, but really brutal because like blocking with Light Phoenix is really important. It's a 2-2 two, two flying. Whenever you cast a spell, if it's in your graveyard, put a flame counter on Mana Gorger for each red in that spell's mana cost. If Mana Gorge or Phoenix has five or more flame counters on it, return it to the battlefield, then it perpetually gets plus one, plus one. I think being unable to block does kind of kill this card, because it does not have haste. So it literally does nothing the first cycle of turns it's in play. Yeah, I wish it just like entered the battlefield tapped or something
0: and could block. Because, like, Arcade Phoenix has this thing where it only comes to play on your turn. This one doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, sure. but it can't do anything <laughs> when, you, yeah. when it enters the battlefield.
1: And it only counts red spells and you got a lot of ops and stuff in your deck so yeah but i mean i guess it probably works better as not a full like arc light phoenix many spells combo card but like in a mana red deck it's an okay threat on turn two and then when you like cast creatures and stuff that counts for its its thing especially like goblin chain whirler just puts three counters onto your mana gorger phoenixes
0: it's really bizarre that it only gets flame counters in your graveyard like so you can't go turn two phoenix Turn three, chain whirler. If your fans is still in play, it's just nothing. It just doesn't see the, those pips,
2: <laughs> which
0: is weird to me. In a, in a Magic has this commander thing called, I don't remember. I think it's eminence or something like that, where the card works. It's a commander mechanic, where if you at the end of your upkeep, if it's in your command zone or on the battlefield, it has a trigger that goes on the stack. Sure. So it's not like a space they're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But for this card, they're just like, nah, graveyard only. That's the only way you can ever power this kind of underpowered card up.
1: Wait, I'm... This doesn't remove the counters from it to put it back into play. Yeah, so every time
0: you cast a spell after the fifth so, hit, yeah, a- it just keeps getting plus one, plus one and coming back. I actually don't think it changes the evaluation of the card very much.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many times are they going to kill this creature that can't block? Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, maybe some weird, like, Faithless Looting Goblin Chain Whirler deck is doing something with this. (laughs) I mean... Or Faithless Looting Season Pyromancer deck is, like, that's a lot of red pips.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's in the, like, the Dragon's Race Chandler thing or whatever, just in the value graveyard card that comes into play for free. That you just want to discard, you
1: never want to cast it. Right. Can't block definitely means that your deck has to be pretty aggressive. Because, you know, like, Arclight Phoenix decks play catch up after like spending a bunch of mana on cantrips and so being able to use your creatures as creatures is really important to those decks so you have to be a different sort of thing with this yawgmoth thran physician is in historic now i hope that means they're gonna print urza (sighs) urza is kind of on another level from yawgmoth though i mean what artifacts are you playing in historic though (laughs) you have like chromatic star and stuff like chromatic sphere not chromatic star Oh, that's right. The The one that doesn't work isn't <laughs> Historic. But yeah, like, I mean, you've got Chromatic Star, or Chroma- you've got Chromatic Sphere, you've got Mox Ambers, either you've, got, bomb. you've right, got... Mox Amber is bomb, not a combo with Urza. <laughs> but it's a zero mana artifact that is potentially playable in your Urza deck. Like, yes, it does. it's not like, hooray, I have this Mox Amber and play with my Earth. Ur- but it's like, it's another mana. And you probably have Emery in your deck, so i mean i
0: i think if Urza was in the set it would be unplayable i, I just I don't think just there's a,
1: a card you can a, a deck you can build around it right now i just don't think that's true i think you could play a mid-range deck
0: like, how I, I, there's I so think... many powerful cards there's just so
1: few powerful artifacts yeah but a lot of the powerful cards like use the graveyard you know trash for treasure is not historic is there anything worth trash for treasuring I don't know probably there's probably some giant thing is sundering titan in historic it is not
0: <laughs> they code possessed portal into arena
1: <laughs> that would be a wild wild decision I, yeah I don't know if there's anything worth trash for treasuring for but like Ursula is so good that I I think that if it were printed we'd find a way
0: well i want to find a way which is why i think it should be printed (laughs) i just don't think it's like as obviously a good card as you might think from like its previous
1: decks and status yeah no i don't think it would be nearly the card that it is in modern or previous you know pre band modern certainly or anything like that but i think there would be stuff with it boneyard aberration is probably my favorite card obviously not playable but a 5-mana 3-3, three, three. when it dies, exile it if you do conjure 3 reassembling skeleton cards into your graveyard. Like, reassembling skeleton is low-key one of my favorite magic cards, and I really like how this thing dies into 3 skeletons in your graveyard. That's cute.
0: My favorite part about this card being spoiled was everyone being like, oh, this card's so cute and adorable and I want to put it in my cube, and I'm just like, Bone Rattler exists. It's just a playtest card that does, yeah. it's just strictly better version of this card. Whoa, it costs 3 BB. Okay, so it costs it's, another pip, but it makes it has another point of power and toughness and reassembling skeleton
1: attached. <laughs> yes, which, yeah man, they they totally shorted us a skeleton on this Boneyard Aberration. They sure did. Was, was four reassembling skeletons too many? Like, come on, you put, like, Dragon's Rage Channeler in this set.
0: Yeah, and you can't even surveil us into three re- um,
1: reassembling skeletons. It doesn't work unless it dies first. Yes, obviously this card is not playable. Except that it does something so crazy that, like, who knows? But I can't think of anything to do with it, so...
0: No, it, the fact that it has to come into play, die, and then it picks the
1: skeletons, which is the right. unique Which part you have to, like, it. pay mana to put into, like, yeah, that's not... Really well, if you thing. just
0: wanted, like, a pure number of creatures in graveyard kind of count... You would want a card that when it like goes to graveyard from anywhere, it just exiles itself and replaces it with like three skeletons mm-hmm. to up your, I don't know, undergrowth count or whatever. Yes.
1: If this triggered when it went to your graveyard from anywhere, I'm confident that it would be busted somehow. Yeah, but it doesn't. So it's it's right. unplayable. <laughs> so we just fill our skeletons or fill our graveyards <laughs> with Stitcher Suppliers. Yeah. Yep. Pool of Vigorous Growth. Is a one and a green mana artifact that has X tap discard a card, create a token that's a ran- copy of a random creature card with mana value X, activate only as a sorcery. So it's the Momir Vig emblem on an artifact. I honestly think that this would be busted if there were not like Stone Cola serpents and stuff on arena. If this just were guaranteed to like make an Ornithopter every time, <laughs> so you're getting some value out of it and you are discarding and I, you probably, you're discarding <laughs> yeah i yeah exactly. sure that would be busted you know as long as you're discarding something that you want to be discarding which is why you would have this in your deck then i i'm pretty sure it would be busted but just like a two-mana artifact that can discard a card is maybe not necessarily the thing
0: especially in green it's a little disappointing
1: yeah not the right color for this effect
0: i mean i get why it's green it's because it's a Momir callback but this card mm-hmm. could pretty easily be black as well
1: and it would make a lot more sense sure the art on this thing is so sketched. Like the, the Momir face in the like bubbles of the... It just doesn't look good to me. Oh,
0: I didn't even realize that thought that was until you said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was part of the snake
1: kind of deal. I couldn't really make it out. Yeah, it's... It's not a good looking card to me. Moving over to Reddit to see what some of the prints are. Do you want to talk about uh, Kiora? Oh, sure.
0: There's a, a Kiora, Wrath of Tides is the name uh, 3 and a U for 4 loyalty Kiora. Plus 1 is conjure a Kraken Hatchling into your hand. That's a blue mana 4 uh, Another plus 1 is untap target creature or land until end of turn. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to and by that permanent. And minus 3 you can sacrifice a Kraken, such as the Kraken Hatchlings. And if you do, create a 88 8 blue Kraken creature token. So What's the weirdest thing to me about this card uh, is that we just saw Freilies, which conjures a Regal Force onto the battlefield, and F- <laughs> Kiora is just like, all right, make an 8-8 blue Kraken. We're not going to conjure a Kraken or anything. <laughs> We're just making a straight up
1: 8-8. Yeah, I mean, we've done this before. Kior- Kiora loves to make vanilla 8-8s. Why are we going to change it up? Just I... because we have the technology. Oh, wait, we've we made a lot of cards just because we have the technology and not for any particular good reason.
0: I also liked it more when Kior made octopuses more than krakens, personally. Mm, true. Because uh, that's a nice 88 token.
1: Right. But yeah,
0: sure. It makes flavor sense. Also,
1: she's just surrounded by octopus tentacles <laughs> in her art here, so... Well,
0: I don't like... know what kraken tentacles look like. I'm not a
1: krakenologist. I mean, these are pretty clearly... If it is a Kraken, it's an (laughs) octopus-derived Kraken. (laughs) Uh, So BK pointed something out on the last Constructed Resources that now bothers me every time I see these conjure cards that conjure a card into your hand, Uh which is that they all conjure very low mana cost cards, which is not that different from just making a token, like, yeah, sometimes you won't have the one mana, so you can't put the 0-4 into play right now. A little bit obnoxious. I'll, I'll cast them all when I get the chance to. But it's not really that different from putting a token into play. There's only a very small tax. The interesting thing about conjuring cards into your hand is when there is a mana cost attached to them and you need to figure out like when they will be good. And that's, like, a fun little game to play where it conjures, like, a good card into your hand, but it is awkward because, like, you spent mana on this Planeswalker already. Uh, and so that, like, kind of bothers me each time I see these cards that are conjuring, like, really cheap, kind of mopey spells into your hand.
0: That's the main problem I have with tomb, Tome of the Infinite. The It just makes one mana spells, yeah. It makes one mana spells that are so variable there's no way to plan around it, and it's completely random. Yeah. Uh, if that card made th- more expensive cards and you could choose from one, like, three or four or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be a far more interesting card. Yeah. And still not good because it's so slow.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, a card like that would be, a like, a favorite of people. You know, yeah. there'd be people who love that card. There probably will still be people who love the book. I Anyways. Mean, I
0: think Wizards will just... I, I think this is mostly a an experiment Mm -hmm. and the next jumpstart historic horizons 2 will have a lot better designs in it for online only because that's not a thing that's going away they're just going to keep doing this as long as they can
1: yeah because they're going to make a billion dollars every time yep Uh, as far as this card goes i mean it's a four mana planeswalker that is a tough sell in historic generally like that second plus one is like very versatile it can shut down an attacker it can give you a, a tough blocker it can make a mana like that's a lot of stuff on that plus one that that is kind of compelling but overall like the the quests that this card like making oh fours and then turning them into eight eights is like not really what i want to be doing yeah. with a planeswalker
0: yeah the problem with this card is that the second plus one's pretty good but mm. you're not doing anything other than the second plus one like if, <laughs> right. if that's what you're doing. Because the whole right. you're not building up to an ultimate because her ultimate yeah. is use one of the Kraken hatchlings I
1: gave you earlier, which means you have to use the bad plus one to right. then to make, make an a, 8-8 token. To make an 8-8 and which, then die to their Dragon's Rage Channelers and Arclay Phoenixes which an uh, 8-8 in play. Which,
0: unlike a Conjured Kraken, which cost mm-hmm. a blue mana and was an 8-8, mm-hmm. uh, if it
1: gets bounced, it just dies. It stops existing. Yep. Oh, yeah, that is really funny that your Regal Force that you conjure with frailies like that's a card if that goes to your hand you get to cast a regal force (laughs) yeah if they bounce it for some reason (laughs) yeah well it just means they don't want to bounce your big token which is you know that's a good thing Mm
0: -hmm. not true with krakens they're very susceptible to bounce spells
1: super bounceable
0: oh there's another one the the mentor of evos isle that's the flying one it's a blue creature that gets flying to a creature in your hand.
1: Oh, wow. This one is way worse than the other ones. Well, yeah, it's three mana instead of two yeah. or one. Also,
0: why did they put the best ability on the cheapest card?
1: That Yeah, that's... I guess they're just pushing that one. Because that one works perfectly. You get to play it on the first turn, which is the only time a 1-1 haste is good. And then you, like, you get... Or or you fit it in whenever you draw the card that you want to get haste. Hey, so you can easily fit it in um, the turn that you cast that card. Like, if if I have this Dreadhorde Arcanist in hand that I haven't had an opportunity to cast, I can just sort of hold it, and if I ever draw my Goblin, I can just cast them on the same turn and get my Arcanist. Like, that card seems so good!
0: Yeah, the the Death Touch one is black, and it looks like the green one just gives plus two,
1: plus two. So I think that's the whole cycle. No Shroud one, sorry. Or Kaxbo okay. one. Well, we're safe. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump over to the Reddit to see what people are talking about. We got some merfolk. We got Savellon of Sea and Sky. The which scavenger is a hunt portion of the
0: spoiler season. <laughs> we're just
1: pecking through.
0: Like it's 2003 or
1: something. It's pretty brutal. I, like, not having a list is so weird. But, yeah, merfolk is a thing. We get this and Master of the Pearl Trident, but merfolk is probably not got... The I guess we've got all the Ixalan stuff, so maybe there's something you could put together, but eh.
0: It's just hard to compel me with Merfolk when Elves is perfectly reasonable and has a lot of good cards. Like right. I, would, I would most often rather do Elves stuff than Merfolk stuff, you
1: know? Yeah, I hear that. Oh, this does also put... Oh, Mirror Regery was already legal in Historic, I guess? Yes, it was. One of the oh, from the Historic Anthology, Okay. It doesn't well, really matter
0: how they got there, because no one can tell.
1: Well, but I just... Yeah,
0: you're right. <laughs> uh, this one was in the Cut remastered just randomly because it was Thoughtseize. Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, this mono-blue control-themed pack has Archmage's Charm in it. That's a big deal. I love stealing Dragon's Rage Chandler with that card in Modern, so I imagine mm-hmm.
0: the same thing will be happening in Historic...
1: <laughs> The mana is a little tougher. It's a lot to tougher. Deal with Archmage's charm. In modern, you can just make sure that all of your lands make blue mana and it'll work out with fetch lands. Uh in historic
2: That's
1: a little bit more of an ask. But you could still play with Mystic Sanctuary, right?
0: If you want to do like a, a close to mono blue type deal. Sure. I don't know if that's good, but it is something.
1: I don't think it is, because you really need to kill some of these threats. And you need to kill them, especially since Dragon Street Channeler is in the format, you really need some one mana removal in your deck.
0: I'm just waiting for the bounce spells that puts your the cards you bounce into your hand.
1: Yeah, we could kind of potentially do that now. Who knows? Who knows what rules will break next? Let's see. Benelish Partisan, 1 and a white for a 1-2 lifelink. Cycling, 1 and a white. Whenever you cycle another card, you may pay 1 and a white. If you do return Benelish Partisan from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped, it perpetually gets plus one plus oh having to pay the mana to put it back and having to do that multiple times to make it like a body that matters like this is kind of cool and potentially just like free value but very mana intensive it's a cycling
0: payoff card but the cycling deck is not good in historic right it, it doesn't. A... it costs mana it doesn't work with yes. fatal sluting
1: <laughs> It like it's a cycling payoff card that like taxes your mana to get benefits out of, but you're already like spending a bunch of mana on cycling, so
0: it's also a lot of work for 2 2 lifelinker. Yeah, yeah. So much
1: work. The trick is to discard it's a Faithless Looting. And then don't We, we got pay better mana stuff for to it? do with Faithless Looting. <laughs> right. Oh, uh the Sarah Planeswalker. Sarah the Benevolent is in the set. This may be a format where this card is good enough.
0: Uh, gotta find a white deck that wants to play it.
1: Right. But yeah, but it, it's a solid card. As far as 4-mana Planeswalkers go, like this is... There's a lot of raw power shoved into this thing. It just comes with... You know, it it's, it's two threats because it is a Planeswalker and a 4-4 Flying Vigilance Angel. Uh, and that usually is pretty good in formats that are not quite as powerful as modern although historic may be getting close after all of this I, I, yeah i think historic is a, just a
0: wild <laughs> experience yes. it, it's really close well current modern is really powerful it's almost a legacy level powerful just yes. on a different axis uh, i don't think historic is close to that right now but it's not it, it's definitely way more powerful than any other format that isn't modern or older yeah definitely it's got the weird popper thing where all the spells are super juiced up like between faithless looting potsies and all that stuff and then <laughs> the creatures are you know not that bad but they're right. certainly not on the level of faithless looting until they print dragons or channeler, i guess maybe
1: yeah but dragons very channeler is just going to be such tight buddies with faithless looting that bffs Oh wow, this Goblins pack has like a lot of potentially really good cards in it. Uh, so Slinging Lieutenant is coming in, Munitions Expert is coming in, and Mob, which is actually like really powerful potentially as a removal spell in a black and red deck. This is four and a black instant destroy target creature, and it has Convoke. Oh wow, Bone Shards too. Oh, that's one of the extra cards you can grab in. Okay. So, yeah, just, I mean, Bone Shards is one that I'm, like, pretty happy to see. because it... I found Face Falter, which is not a good card, but
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's a really old Lorwyn card, which is super fun.
1: Yes, very one black nostalgic mana, card. one, Black, sacrifice a goblin, Face Falter gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. The mana on the activation cost does kind of kill this card. Well, yeah, otherwise it'd be, like, Goblin Atok, It'd be insane. Yeah, it'd be a very good card. But some combination of of slinging lieutenant, munitions expert, like that's that's a solid couple of cards. Oh, and like Beetleback Chief is, oh that that was already like in a jumpstart or something, right? I believe like, it was in one of the historic things, yeah, anthologies or whatever. It was in original jumpstart. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably stuff that we missed because where do you find these things? <laughs>
0: you just have to comb through all of the packs, which is very time intensive. And kind of low value in since like in a week or two, someone will have made a list of relevant cards. And man, hopefully, well, yeah. Or or just they'll be on Arena and people start playing with the cards, and then we'll go back to the game of oh, this card's in a store. Wow, which we've honestly I mean, that, been playing. That's since just gonna happen forever. Jumpstart yep. came out the first time, so. Yep.
1: Anything else we want to talk about here? Um.
0: No. I know what I'm I'm doing for FNM this week. What I'm going to try. What's that? There's a another Underworld breach deck that doesn't play Grinding Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryant Cook has been working on a Lotus Field version, so it's very stormy, like it's got Tome Scour and Lotus Field and Twiddle and stuff like that. Uh, but unlike the decks in the past that I've seen that use all that, it's not playing all the garbage arcane spells, which are way too expensive. Uh, for Modern, and it's just kind of leaner, and it plays Lurus. And he top-aided a, like, 2k that he had in his local area with the deck. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm gonna try that out. That sounds nice.
1: that sounds like fun. That does sound like fun. I If I were playing FNM this weekend, or if I were playing FNM this week, I would definitely go Prowess with Breach in the sideboard, because it sounds fun. We're yeah. an Underworld Breach podcast now. Yeah. It's a b- busted card. Let's just, like, get there before anybody else
0: i mean i'm pretty firm that that card is on borrowed time in modern it's just going to be banned
1: eventually right Uh, i just don't know when it it is only the fact that it came in as mox opal was getting banned that didn't that like saved it from the the axe within like two weeks of coming in in the first place i believe yeah but uh you know something will get it there and i'm gonna try with every set release something new (laughs) yeah The fact that Thassa's Oracle exists also is, like, in the same set as that thing. Did you hear the story about Thassa's Oracle? It originally didn't have yeah. the win the game thing on it at all. They just put that on there as, like, trinket text.
0: Yep. It, it was just, they just, like, upshifted it to Rare or something, and they wanted it to have a little more oomph.
1: Yeah. Just read a little more exciting. Whoops. Uh, oh, oh, we messed up. Dude, the fact that so many people have won games with Laboratory Maniac in Modern. Like, come on. Yep.
0: <laughs> I, I get to play Ave in uh, Brian's deck, which is the progenitor ooze. Yes. Uh, break up your Luris to sideboarding a bunch of Aves.
1: <laughs> what a shame that your Storm card turns off your Luris.
0: Well, Ave is way better than Empty the Warns, so it's kind of an acceptable thing. Yes, you can beat up a lot of boards with a pretty small ave. Yeah, very bad against all the engineered (laughs) explosives people are playing.
1: Yeah, a lot harder to explosives for five. Way harder. (laughs) You gotta have a lot of treasures for that one. Without Mox Opal, it becomes, uh, you know, vanishingly difficult. (laughs) Yep, I think that's it for us. I don't really have anything else to add. Thanks, everybody, so much for your time. We really appreciate you listening. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I am at Lee McLeod. That's it for us. Have a great week. Bye.